Welcome, everybody, to Season 3 of OmniSense Card Insiders Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Zakowitz. This season is all about email marketing automation and providing you with the information you need to increase your sales, not your workload. I'll be discussing these high-revenue-driving workflows with industry experts and companies who are doing them well. On today's episode, we're going to dive deep in the card and browse abandonment emails with our special guest, Sarah Florin, Senior Director of Branding and Marketing at Carrots. So let's get this thing rolling by first welcoming back to the show, e-commerce veteran Lucas Walker. Lucas, nice to speak again. Thanks for being here. Hey, thanks so much for A, welcoming me, but also letting me join you as sort of a, a co-pilot for, for this season of Cart Insiders. Looking forward to it, especially today's conversation, which we are discussing card and browse abandonment emails and Looking at our 2020 industry benchmark report we put out last year, cart abandonment messages saw an open rate of just about 30%, click rate 21%, and conversion rate just about 34%. So obviously, strong performing messages. But I think as most people know now, cart abandonment has become one of these essential messages for e-commerce brands everywhere. First, it recaptures a significant portion of sales. But secondly, consumers increasingly expect to receive them. Later in the conversation today, I'm going to speak to Sarah Florin from Carrots about how they approach both cart and browse abandonment messages. Let me ask you this first, Lucas. When it comes to abandoned cart, mm-hmm. do you expect to receive them when you do abandon a cart? And then the, the follow-up to that is, do you ever abandon a cart purposely with the hopes of getting a message? So yes to both, but not for the reasons that you might expect. I always expect a a card abandonment because I mean, working in the industry, I just feel like it adds credibility. So it's almost just table stakes of something that you need to have for, for your business. It's like, I hate trust badges, but just by sending a card abandonment email, it just shows that this store is still open and doing business. And so it just means a good thing. And in terms of why I use them, I don't always intend to finish my checkout when I start. So maybe I'm just uh, scrolling through Instagram stories because I'm, I'm waiting in line at the grocery store or something and I see something that I like. And so I want to add it to to my cart. And so I'll just do that to save, to remind myself to go buy later. And I know that Instagram stories, they convert so well, but the checkout process isn't the best. So sometimes it's nice to just be able to add it to my cart, especially if it's an, an impulse purchase. I bought a lot of dumb dumb stuff, like these changing ponchos for the beach from an Instagram stories ad. So I'll do it just to <laughs> remind myself that, hey, I'll finish this this later. And I'm not even looking for a discount, although I will do that sometimes yeah, because I know that it's just the, the easiest way to get an up-to-date discount. But I, I tend to, as a consumer, look for the card amendment emails for for that reason to to finish my purchase that I was looking forward to. And I think it also, like I mentioned earlier, does add a little bit of credibility to to the store to say, hey, we're still open for business. You mentioned that one, it's table stakes. And then two, you don't always plan on completing your purchase right there when you're going through the checkout process, which I think is is fairly common for people to do nowadays. Question for me then would be, okay, if you consider a table stakes and you're not intending to purchase, are those messages effective for you when you get them? Yeah, I think that it's uh, a mixture of the right timing and frequency, but then also the the messaging in the, the card amendment. And one of the most effective ways to create urgency for me in the last year or so has been just by by pandemic urgency with everything selling out. When when the pandemic first hit, it was the first time in my life I'd gone to a grocery store and there was just no meat. So I think for a lot of people, it was the first time that scarcity really was an issue. So if I'm looking for something like some patio lights or a pizza stone for my barbecue, and I, I get an email saying, we won't be restocking this summer, make sure you complete your purchase now, that's going to drive a lot more urgency as well with the messaging beyond just that that discount. But I think a caveat here is if you actively promote discounts, so a 10% e, uh, discount for joining the welcome letter or anything, just put that in the card abandonment because that might be in the back of the mind of the consumer. Of the consumer and if the welcome discount code no longer works. People know that they have that 10% off. So the price is now adjusted in their head where they they want to make that purchase. And it's almost like that study that 
people are much more loss averse. So in their mind, they've already had gotten that 10% off. And by making them charge more, it just doesn't feel good. So if you've already allocated 10% for a welcome service, just include that discount. It'll increase your conversion rate as well. So there's no reason not to stack that urgency. So first of all, ditch the pizza stone, get a baking steel. Second, really interesting point about using the discount in card abandonment, because that's one of the things, and I'll talk to Sarah about this later, but the discounting strategy, and this is something that's always come up when I was consulting, and people still ask it now, should I discount? If I do discount, which message do I discount is the first one, the third one? And I like how you tie that to kind of that holistic experience on the, the for the customer on the website, right? They get there, they sign up, they get the welcome message. Maybe they they weren't ready to buy then. That message or that discount expires, like you mentioned. But you kind of carry it forward. So that's really interesting that you say that. Now you also mentioned the sense of urgency, right? In this past year, that's been a really good tool to get them back. And I think it's really good if you have products that typically sell out anyways, mm-hmm. right? Fast fashion or it's in stock, customer favorites, and it goes quickly. Well, not even that. I was buying um, a tool late last year, and they had to contact me to offer a partial refund because one of the items was was sold out. That's the other thing, too, is even for not not just fast fashion, inventory can be a, a driver of urgency for traditional brands as well. Yeah, so if we couple those things, the sense of urgency with the discount, and obviously if you can get away with not discounting, the better off you are, right? But sometimes we we know that the discount's kind of that that sweetener there. If the sense of urgency works really well, would you still be expecting or advise people to put that discount in, say, the first message to carry it over? Or would you focus more on the sense of urgency early and then still carry that discount over later? What would you do? I think it really depends on your brand. But I think in general, put the discount in any urgency. I think people are too afraid to discount when customers just kind of expect it. If they have an account with anything with it, you already are so close to getting that sale. You And you can stack it too. You can say, hey, here's 10% off. And if you're looking to add anything else to your cart, these items are closest to selling out. So you can stack those urgency drivers as well. And I almost like to go for a one-two punch right away. Really see if somebody's in that buying mode now or if they're just browsing. And if they are just browsing, you can also... What I would do when I was a merchant is my card abandonment was three emails over 10 days. So one was an hour after purchase. The other was about a day after, or maybe two days. And the last one was about a week to 10 days later. I was constantly tweaking it, but it didn't really matter. And the the third email, all that it was, was saying, hey, we noticed you added some stuff to your cart. You didn't purchase. What can we do to make your, your buying experience better? And you find all kinds of little things that might just be, be wrong with the website, like even code being out of place, or someone might mention a, a one-star review from two years ago. Just little things like that you can really learn. You mentioned your timing of the messages. I'll talk to Sarah about the timing of hers and her strategy for it. You said something in there that reminds me of something else that I know someone that does. You mentioned like, hey, what's the reason for not checking out yet? Or however you phrase that. You actually asked them and you said you would get feedback from that. So it's not someone I consulted before, but someone I know that runs a a business out in California, higher end products. And they do one of those in their messages. And I was having a drink with them one day. And we were talking about this and goes, yeah, people respond to that message all the time and let me know. Sometimes it's just shipping was... 20 bucks more, which she said is kind of funny because it's a high-end product, but sometimes those really small dollar figures matter. It's the perception of shipping. Mm -hmm. He would say sometimes we'd have wiggle room. Sometimes we'd have to write back and say, hey, thanks for the feedback. There's really nothing I could do. It costs a lot of money to ship these things or whatever. But they said the relationship has always benefited from a simple message like that. So I think, again, that's something to test based on the types of products you sell and maybe price point. But you hit on something that I've seen work across different types of products and price points that I think is really important for people to kind of look at and say, okay, do we have a really high abandonment rate and are we not recapturing as many sales are we not as we should? You know, how do we get to the bottom of that? And that might be one of those solutions there. So I love that point, Lucas. And it's it's important as well to this is why benchmarks are so great. It lets you know if something's wrong. If you're close you don't need to try to beat it or set the world record. But if you're at sort of half the benchmarks, in this case, if you go to omnisend.com and hit the resources, you can find all, all the data that we're talking about. 
But if your conversion rate on your card abandonment is, say, 5%, maybe there are a few things that you could be doing otherwise. And asking for that feedback is a great way to, to understand what you can do better. Yep, absolutely. So, Lucas, I'm going to shift over to browse abandonment now just to talk about this very briefly. So, looking at that benchmark report, right? We talk about browse abandonment, product abandonment. Those numbers are pretty similar side by side. Open rates between 34 and 38%, click rates around uh, 16, 17%, and conversion rates right around that 17, 18% mark. So, again, good messages. Browse abandonment, I find really interesting because it's kind of in a place now where cart abandonment was maybe five years ago, where a lot easier to implement, more people, it's increasingly being adopted. People realize it's effective. And CART, you know, five years ago, you could implement it and it wasn't quite as easy as it, as it is now. When I was getting started on Shopify, CART abandonment was an upsell to the middle tier and it was just a plain text email coming out of Shopify. But it was a big deal six, seven <laughs> years ago. Yeah. And browse was, was harder to do five years ago just because of technology. Now it's like OmniSend. It's just built in the platform. You can just do it. It's so easy. So I, I find more and more e-commerce brands starting to adopt this and you can just see it if you're on sites now. But there's obviously two varying strategies here. One is, hey, we saw you checking out XYZ product. And the other one, it looks like a promotional message that you could send on any given Tuesday or Thursday, but it's targeted based on your actions. Which one, do you like receiving? Do you prefer knowing that, hey, we saw you checking this out, Lucas? Or do you prefer, like, you know what it is, but it's just, a, it looks like a promotional message. I think it's a, a little bit of both. So it's a great way to supplement your retargeting. But it's also, I think it depends on your catalog of products. So if you have, say, 10 to 12 SKUs, then maybe you can just do a little bit more generic messaging of, hey, here's how everything works together. Here's those, let's say your, if you're baking steel, here are some recipes that you you can use to get inspired. And just kind of gauging the, the customer or even warming them up to get excited about your core product. But if you're someone big like Wayfair, where it's almost people will browse for inspiration, it's nice to be reminded of the products that I looked at and really enjoyed. So I think that that's one big differentiator. And I think what I'm more personally drawn to, though, are the the specifics of the products that I like because it's that warm and friendly look that I, I have. So if you see whenever I do any videos, that kind of funky corner bookshelf, I probably purchased that because of a browse abandonment when I was just kind of looking at bookshelves. And I thought, you know what? This one's kind of good. Then the ones that I actually looked at were were resent me by by email and then I, I picked the one that I liked. So it's almost like the personal shopper experience where you know you walk into the store and they'll bring you a few different th- items to to look at. So if you're clothes shopping, they might bring you a few different tops and then you pick the one that you you most like. Yeah. And Karis has a really interesting strategy. So stick around. So one of the things with product abandonment that I like is is really just a segmented message. Like all automated messages are, they're triggered based on behavior, so they're naturally relevant. This might be like the epitome of like the right message to the right consumer at the right time via the right channel. You know, and one of the objections that I used to hear all the time was, I don't want to annoy my customers. I don't want them to think like I'm tracking them around. And my response was always, well, are you going to send them an email anyways? And they'd pause for a second. They'd say, well, yeah. And I said, well, do you segment every single message you send? And they say, well, no. And I said, well, wouldn't you rather send them a segmented targeted message than just a batch and blast or a less segmented message? And they go, they start to think about it. And they say, well, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I'm curious to see if you ever think there's a point where companies will start sending fewer batch and blast messages and rely more heavily on automated messages like this to serve as their quote-unquote primary email messages, if you will. Do you ever see a day where that might come? I think it depends on the size of the merchant. And if you think of the behemoths like Walmart or Wayfair or obviously Amazon, Home Depot, for them, it's not really as much of an awareness issue. And they can trigger a lot based on their existing customer base. And also stuff like here's what's on sale at near you If it, in the case of someone like Home Depot. But I think for sort of average merchants, it's 
will be a mixture of both. And I just, I was so fascinated by something that you said of, I don't want to annoy my customers. And nothing you ever do should be annoying your customers. <laughs> if you've got a good product, you should be able to continuously show how to use that without being annoying. So let's say I'm selling barbecue sauce just to, to keep up with that, that thread. If I keep showing recipes and good ways to enjoy barbecue, that will never get annoying to my target customers. So I think that it really does come down to really knowing your ICP. And then you can probably be a little bit more frequent than you think. It's really hard to get people to pay attention to you. So as long as you're consistently being valuable and it's pretty hard to be annoying if you're a normal, rational human being. Look at your inbox and say, hey, would I be annoyed if a sales representative in a store said this to me? And if the answer is probably not, you're good to go. Excellent. So, Lucas, I always love your insights and your anecdotes and things like that. You have a way of humanizing these things and coming across the medium very nicely. So thanks for your insights today. Thanks for joining me today and for this entire season. And stay tuned for the next segment. I'd like to now welcome to the show, Sarah Florin, Senior Director of Branding and Marketing at Carrots. Sarah has implemented both cart and product abandonment messages as part of their email marketing strategy. And these messages account for 10% of their email marketing revenue. So they are performing extremely well. I want to dig into this with Sarah to find out how they created their messages, the advice she can offer others looking to increase their email marketing sales as well. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. I'm very happy to be here. Pleasure is all ours. Sarah, let's do some very basic level setting here. So can you give us just a quick rundown about who Carrots is and of your typical customer as well? Yep, absolutely. So Carrots is an equestrian apparel brand. It was started in the late 80s by a woman who was actually a windsurfer, also a horseback rider. And she was constantly innovating in both areas of her life both with the swimwear and with equestrian apparel. And because of how innovative the equestrian apparel was at the time, the business just really took off. And she had a really successful wholesale business for almost 30 years. And then she decided to sell the business. And um, at that point, it branched into both a wholesale and direct-to-consumer business. That was about four years ago. And so Carrots has been growing rapidly, maintaining its wholesale presence and growing direct to consumer. Our customers are typically horseback riders and horse owners who are looking for high quality, innovative products that come at really great prices, can be an expensive industry. Carrots offers tremendous value. It's typically women. We also have clothes for girls who ride and love horses. And we're just always hoping that our clothes inspire in saddle confidence in in all women and girls who ride. Very nice. And if we shift to kind of the marketing gear a little bit, how many people, you're obviously into the email marketing world on your side. How many people on your team are responsible for email marketing beyond you? Carrots is a very small team. The company as a whole is actually just around 30 people. We have seven in marketing total. And of those seven, three are responsible for the email plan, the creative execution, and then the sends and list management. And uh, which e-com platform do you guys currently use? We're on Shopify Plus. Wonderful. So appreciate the background, Sarah. Just complete side pivot here. I'm not a horseback rider, but one of the places that my family likes to vacation out to the mountains in North Carolina, one of the places we frequent is kind of this community where horseback riders do go. They've got trails around the mountain area. There's a lodge. They've got stables there. You can do horseback riding lessons there as well. So we actually love going there to get the kids to do horseback riding lessons there once, and we're going again next month. So I've got some deeper, loose connections with horseback riding, but that's about the extent I get with it. Oh, that's fantastic. We've actually seen this past year with COVID an increase in the number of children getting into this sport for the first time. It's expensive to have horses. It's not a real common hobby. People don't have land to keep horses. But last year, I think parents were looking for a naturally socially distanced activity and horseback riding provides it. So we heard from a lot of our wholesale partners that they had a lot of people coming in with kids looking to get into the sport for the first time last year. With that, have you guys seen just, an, I'm jumping the gun here all over the place. So <laughs> I apologize. Have you guys seen an uptick in sales because of maybe hobby adoption that you might've seen the increase in sales anyways, but 
is something that you would look at and say, oh, that's probably a hobby adoption increase versus just a company growth standpoint? So anything, a lot of it has to be pieced together from, you know, anecdotal feedback from both our retailers and then what we see online. Um, Certainly the kids business has always been a strong portion of our business and it did grow last year. You know, we hear from our retail partners, a lot of people coming in for the first time. And also on social media, we're having parents reach out who are kind of running their kids' Instagram accounts that are like these (laughs) course moms. And they have questions that lead us to believe, oh, this is the first time you're getting into this, or this is the first time you'll be horse showing. And so there's actually a lot of opportunity for education. It's not something with a small team that it's easy to come up with content, but it's certainly a small piece of our strategy and something that we're hoping to grow as more and more people are searching for that intro level content. Very good. All right. We're here to talk about abandonment emails. So I'm going to shift my gears back. I mentioned during the intro, you guys are currently using both types of both uh, cart and browse abandonment messages. I want to dig into those a little bit, results you're seeing. And let's start with the cart abandonment if we can. So looking at your metrics, and we have a success story with you guys on our website, which has some of this in there. So there's always that reference there. But from the cart abandonment standpoint, you guys are seeing around a 40% open rate, 20% click-through rate, 41% conversion rate, which, I mean, is just outstanding, right? And comparing to 2020 benchmark report that we put out, those are all above the bench metrics. So you guys are doing, I would say, above par with those messages. The same thing holds true for revenue per email compared to promotional messages. So we're going to say, um, you can correct me if I'm wrong, I'm going to say they're performing extremely well, the card abandonment messages here. When you guys were looking to implement your card abandonment messages, did they have a higher precedence over other types of messages that you might have been looking to implement uh, from an automated standpoint? Or was it just kind of happenstance that, hey, this is cart and let's throw it out there? Can you walk us through kind of the the genesis of where card abandonment fit in the grand scheme of your email marketing program? Yeah, absolutely. So card abandon, as you said, it's a high-performing email, and we're lucky to have such great metrics on ours. Um, going into setup, when we transitioned to OmniSend, I needed to decide which automated emails that I wanted to include. Cardabandon was absolutely on the shortlist and pretty high on, on the top of the shortlist. So we have overall, I would say, a, a minimal but effective automated email strategy I like to make sure that we're hitting the customers at the right times, but not overstaying our welcome or, you know, knocking on their door too many times that they they want us to just go away. So I'm I'm choosy with both our automated emails and our campaigns about how often I send and to whom I send. Card abandon is such an easy way to take advantage of that low hanging fruit of someone who's you know they're already interested, they've already been to the site, they already have a product in mind, like they're about to pull the trigger. So that's the time that I really want to hit them. And even just having one sent within an hour of when they've abandoned the cart has been super effective. I still want to have, obviously, my transactional emails are super important and welcome emails, particularly on email signup and on first purchase. But overall, as I kind of said at the beginning, our contact strategy is minimal. And as long as it's effective, I love that because if I don't have to send 47 emails, I can just send three and get the same result. It's a healthier relationship to have with the customer. That's the marketer's dream, right? So I'm going to apologize in advance because everyone listening is probably going to go to your website now and start abandoning cards to see what your messages look like. (laughs) It's going to tank your metrics, but also like just, why is everyone leaving all of a sudden? You mentioned you have a message sending one hour post-abandonment. Is that the only message you have in the series? Do you have multiple messages going? Recently, within the past two months, I also added another abandoned card email that comes 24 hours after. And it was primarily as a test, you know, to see, is there some extra demand I could capture here? And the answer is yes, but it's a huge drop-off from the one hour to the 24 hours. So if I would recommend if anyone is setting this up for the first time, go for one hour or six hours, like same day card abandoned rather than waiting 24 hours if you can, because the response and conversion just really drops off from that first email. And we also have a SMS that 
triggers if we have the customer's phone number on file. Okay, so I'm going to get to SMS here in a minute. I want to kind of follow back on what you said with the second message going 24 hours after, which is a newer message. So I don't know if you have metrics in front of you, but if you can try to quantify that, we we mentioned before like 40% open rate, 41% conversion rate for that first message. Do you have any sort of ballpark for what that second message is comparatively to the first? I think it would be most helpful if I actually open it up and give you the actual numbers. (laughs) Rather than try and guess. One thing I want to note that's another change that we made to our cart abandoned series was we actually have a secondary lifestyle brand. So our, but they both go through the same Shopify store. So our abandoned cart is actually co-branded with both brands. I think it's a, still a strong message, but that's something to consider is how it's branded. I would say estimating, quickly looking at the data I'm looking at 50% fewer clicks after 24 hours compared to the one hour. And the conversion rate is more than 50% lower. It's pretty small numbers that I'm getting from that second one. So I I find that interesting because, well, there's a couple of different things here. And I wonder how much of that is product specific versus there are certain brands that I've worked with before where the second message still performs well but they add a third one in there and the number one and number three perform well and two is kind of that middle ground. There's some that I've worked with that that second message crushes the first one, right? I think it's somewhat product specific or maybe intent specific. And I think for you guys, maybe there's an intent specific thing there that I think the more sends you get, you might be able to pick up on that where you're selling a very specific product or a product to a specific set of consumers that maybe... Once they identify it, it's either, yep, I'm going to get this now or I'm going to get it somewhere else, right, quicker. So you might have that quicker uh, purchase kind of tendency to the consumer. I don't know. You're looking at the metrics now with that second message, are you tempted at all to switch the timing of that message? I know you mentioned, hey, get it that first day, right, six hours after or something. Are you guys looking at potentially shifting that a little bit shorter to test out to see if that increases conversions or are you going to let it run for a little while? It's only been running for two months, so I'd probably give it a little bit bit more time just to make sure that there's enough data there to make an analysis and reach statistical significance. But knowing that I like to keep the context as minimal and effective as possible, I'd love to fine-tune that and say, is there a better time to send this or do I not need to send this at all? So yeah, I I would definitely revisit the timing of that. Uh, Sarah, can you give us a little uh, maybe insight into what that actual message looks like? So really what we're looking at, I'm sure people will probably go abandon the message you can get a feel for, but specifically looking at like tone and voice, right? Are you guys discounting in there? Is it just a reminder to come back and shop or is it a little more playful language? Can you kind of, as best you can in a non-visual medium, uh, try to provide a visual to what that first abandoned cart message looks like? Yeah, Absolutely. So we use this as a really great brand touch point. Something that we're lucky to have on our side as a brand is that we're in a niche enthusiast market and horse people love to talk horses. They love horse language. So we use subtle nods to horses and riding to really have this message speak to the audience as we would in any of our campaign emails and our welcome email series, et cetera. So the subject line is actually ride on back and complete your purchase. So a little hint to the the horse in that. And then inside there's a horse gallop, a picture of a horse galloping away. And it says, whoa, take another look before these styles gallop away. Then obviously links to back to the cart. And we don't actually have a discount in all of the um, carts. We target to carts that are under $125, which is what our free shipping threshold is normally. So we have a message that goes to carts that were under $125 with a free shipping code, if that's maybe the thing that was the customer needs to get them over the hurdle. We also include our guarantee messaging with a reminder that they can return for free within 30 days. It's another top concern for shopping online. So just giving them those trust markers. Hey, we'll give you free shipping. Hey, you can return it within 30 days. And then the nod to the horse brand. And I think that combination has been really successful, but we don't offer a a $10 off coupon or 10% off coupon or anything like that. 
which is obviously great for our margins. Obviously, the conversion rate for uh, the first message is, I want to say astronomical, but it's extremely high, right? For any, if you're talking forty percent conversion rate with anything, you're you're in good good company there. Have you found that free shipping? I'm assuming so, but I don't know how, what percentage of those cards. Uh, the 41% conversions are over 125 or under, but have you found that those people under 125 are actually redeeming that from pretty much, is there a good indication that the shipping might've been the, the hurdle for them? They do redeem that free ship code. I have to also just full disclosure, say we've tested free shipping and abandoned carts prior to using Omnison with another email service provider and didn't necessarily see a huge lift in conversion. So I think it helps, but it's not a silver bullet. And that other email provider, they're, they're no good, by the way. <laughs> no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just joking. They'll, they'll remain nameless. But first of all, I love what you're doing, Sarah, with discount or no discount, right? You're targeting the right consumer with the right message. So if it's under 125, you're recognizing that there is a threshold they have not met yet. And that's I've been talking about this year for years, a pet peeve of mine. And it really, it didn't start there, but it really came to fruition when I was shopping for a dishwasher years ago. And uh, I bought the wrong one, by the way. I still hate my dishwasher. <laughs> so I was getting these messages, these abandoned card messages. And it was like, hey, don't forget free shipping over 40 bucks. And I'm like, this dishwasher, like $600 or whatever, $1,000. I'm like, I expect free shipping. And that was, it was a pet peeve of mine. So I love the fact that you're you have a threshold cut off there. I love the fact you're using playful language and trying to get them back there. And it's the guarantees that you mentioned, right? One of those value adds that I always preach that people do. So you're hitting a lot of those right marks. So anyone listening who are looking to optimize their card abandonment messages, I think those are all really good things they can take from you on that one. I want to circle back because you mentioned SMS in there as having that as part of your component for those where you have SMSs on file and opted in. So you have that component, which I think is a great thing to have right now. At least last time I checked, you had an earning per message around two eighty seven for that one, two dollars eighty seven cents per SMS sent. So, can you walk us through how that workflow looks? Right, when do you send that SMS message? In the grand scheme, that first message goes an hour later. Do you send what the timing of that second message and and how you think that's working for you so far? So the SMS message actually goes also one hour after, so it would technically go just before the first abandoned cart email in the series. I think it's a matter of hitting the customer where they are at the time. You know, maybe they're shopping on mobile, but for whatever reason, didn't pull the trigger. Hey, everyone's still got their phone on them. Here's a little reminder. I did have to think about this long and hard, whether I wanted to add this additional contact. As I said, I like to be minimal and effective. um, And we wanted to just see, is this a nuisance or do people respond? And It's felt, based on the results, we don't see a lot of people opting out and we have seen some sales come through. So it feels like it's a worthwhile extra touch. I'm going to keep it in the series. We have a lot more experimenting to do with SMS. I think there's, and also with push notifications. So again, it's not really something that I've fully fleshed out as I'm already seeing so much success with what I have. I'm still able to take advantage of this low-hanging fruit before I push harder and get in customers' faces more. Very good. And you have that in the same workflow as the card abandonment, right? So you don't need two sets of automation, just have one workflow and have the SMS and the email combined into there, correct? Yep, that's correct. Perfect. I want to shift the product abandonment here because there's probably going to be some similarities and some carryovers, things you've learned from card abandonment, you applied to product abandonment. So we'll probably have a couple of repetitive questions, some nuances here. Before we get off card abandonment, though, is card abandonment your best performing automated message that you guys have currently sending? Off the top of my head, I want to say one of the email automated messages that performs the best is actually the shipping confirmation email, at least with in terms of revenue attributed to it. And I'm not sure if that's an error in reporting in some way or if people legitimately are clicking that shipping confirmation email and going back and ordering something else. I've seen this across the board for years where shipping confirmations can really be impactful. So I used to have a client that would, they generate about 45% of their total email revenue off of transactional messages, right? Order and shipping confirmations. Obviously with shipping, you're getting clicks because people are checking the orders or things there. And I always say it's one of those opportunities where people are still excited about the product and maybe it's like, oh, this thing's coming. And by the way, I see this thing here or kind of happy with this, they go back. So I 
would anticipate that you're actually probably driving a significant number of sales off that shipping. But I think part of that is enthusiasm behind the order that's coming and things like that. Plus, you also probably have very high clicks in that message, I'm going to guess. So there's just more opportunity if they are going to make a purchase that it attributes to the shipping confirmation as well. So High open rate. I'll give you the real numbers. The abandoned cart is the most successful on a revenue basis. The email signup, which has a free shipping code in it, you know, they come to the site, they've gotten a pop-up message, they put in their email to get a shipping code. That's number two. And then the shipping confirmation is number three in terms of revenue. Sarah, I'm going to shift over to product abandonment real quick. So product abandonment messages, your numbers, I, I captured these uh, a short time ago, so they might vary a little bit. You're around a 43% open rate for a product abandonment, 22% click-through rate, just under 19% conversion rate, 18 and a half there. Again, comparing to our benchmarks, everything is above standard conversion rates right around that same mark from our 2020 benchmarks as well. So I'd say you're right on par with those things, but again, performing very strong. I think we see this cross automated messages in general that they are going to perform strong because they're a little more, they're naturally more relevant. So, but product abandonment is one of these things where in today's world, so 2021, product abandonment is a lot easier to do than it was say five years ago. It is what it is. The tools are easier. Obviously, you can just kind of automate these things now. It's definitely growing, but not all companies are doing it, right? And there's definitely concerns around that, which I'll probably hit you up with here in a second. But why did you guys ultimately decide that product abandonment is something that you should test out in your email marketing strategy? So honestly, I was just tempted by how easy OmniSend makes it to set up the automations and target (laughs) them. And it felt like something that would make a fantastic test. And I absolutely love testing. So it kind of feels like, what, like, why wouldn't you do this with all of the automated emails? If you can set them up once, target them once, maybe do some fine tuning. It's just generating money without you having to do anything. It is like magic. <laughs> My campaigns, I'm slaving away, setting a calendar and <laughs> the direction and the imagery and the feedback and setting them up every week and all of that, you know, jumping through hoops, whereas my automated messages are just in the background, constantly generating money without me doing anything. So I don't know, that was maybe a long answer to how I decided to set them up, but it feels honestly like there's not even a decision. It's just a yes, let's do this. It wasn't a long answer. It it takes me five minutes to ask a question. So I think you're good there, Sarah. I have my own reasoning for, I used to get this question a lot and people would say, well, this is my concern with using product abandonment messages. And I would always have an answer for that. Did you go in when you were looking at this going, well, this is pretty easy to do. We should probably try this out. Did you have any concerns with product abandonment going in? Some of my biggest concerns are related to customer intent. Did they accidentally look at the product? Did they look at the product and actively make a choice? They didn't have the color that I wanted or the size that I wanted. And then I worry that I follow up and say, hey, were you still thinking about this? And the customer is going like, no, they don't have it in my size or in the color I want. Please leave me alone. <laughs> so there's there was a definite fear there if if inventory wasn't where it needs to be, that it would just make the customer angry when they got this reminder message about what they were shopping. So that's why I've been so choosy about what products I put it on. And also to get products that are bestsellers that I know will work for a lot of people, that I know we have good inventory on. Um, So there's some of that that I can control. I want to talk to you about that for a minute. So you're you're doing product abandonment, but you're not doing it on every product across your website, which is the right thing to do. But you're being very selective about when you're using them, when you're deploying them and things like this. Can you talk about how you came to that decision of saying, okay, we're going to focus on these products or these uh, products during this particular season that we're talking about? Like, How did you guys make that decision about where to start and where you ultimately ended up? Uh, currently? So one of my marketing philosophies overall is to work your winners. I know there are products that you have in your catalog as a brand that you just think, oh, we've had this for seven years. People already have heard about it. But if it is a continual bestseller, there's a really good reason for that. And there is no reason not to get that in front of more people or even the same people. It's a product that they can have multiples of. So my thought process was, I'm going to work my winners. I'm going to choose two, three, four of our top selling pants. 
and those pages get a lot of traffic. I know we have good inventory on those and I know that it's a good product that works for a lot of people. So I don't run the risk of offending or annoying very many people by having messages on just those, the product abandons on just those top sellers. And then I may choose to enable or disable them seasonally. You know, I have a couple of winter specific pants that are not, I'm not sending product abandons right now. If I have a sale that's going on only for one day, I don't want it to run the risk of sending the customer the message that they might not open it until the next day and then the sale's not going on and they, they're disappointed. So I try and hedge my bets in, in terms of disappointing people while getting those top sellers, those top performers in front of as many people as possible. And I'm going to do the same thing with a visual element. Can you walk us a little bit through what that message looks like, right? So you know, some examples. One, again, are you discounting those messages? Two, are you using language in there that is very clear to the person, the recipient that they were viewing that product? Or is it more generically designed where it's just a super relevant message on a relevant day, but it's actually triggered? Can you walk us through what those messages look like a little bit? Yep, absolutely. So again, we have a little nod to the equestrians to horseback riding in in the subject line. And somewhat product specific. So it's not totally out of the blue. So for our most popular one, the one that performs the best, the subject line is the riding tights that caught your eye. And then actually the pre-header has some more equestrian language and it says roll back and take another look. And roll back is an equestrian term for kind of making a U-turn. Then the content of the email is pretty straightforward. Headline, still thinking about these tights. And then just a nice clean white background image of the product on a person. And I'm just going to the top four features of this pant with a button to go back and shop now. In several of these, I use some social proof by including the number of reviews and the star rating that they've received because some of these products are starting to get into the hundreds of reviews. And that's just some social proof to help build confidence in the buyer. And I also have included product videos at the bottom if anyone needs that extra, you know, I want to learn a little bit more about this tight. I didn't see the the video on the product page the first time. So there's also a link to a product video. And that's kind of it. It's it's pretty simple. If I'm not getting you with the top four features of of the tight and the fact (laughs) that they have a 4.8 stars, maybe this wasn't the tight for you. But clearly this kind of like simple feature-based approach works for our pants. Is this just like hard abandonment where they're one message going or do you have a series of messages going based on abandonment? These are currently just one message that goes two hours after they've abandoned a specific product URL. Very good. I love what you're doing with the social proof and the features, by the way. So just like hard abandonment where you're hitting the right things, I think you're absolutely right, right? If these things aren't going to sell it, probably just not the right timing for this particular consumer there. So... I think that's another takeaway for anyone listening that look at your own content, right? Look at things that kind of matter to consumers when they're shopping, right? Social proof, uh, ratings and reviews and things like that. I love the videos as well. How do you guys find those videos perform just across the board? I think that they help in having them on the page in terms of building the overall credibility for the product. For our top products, we do see a lot of views on those, but we have some that just don't see a lot of views. So I like having them there to just send a message like, hey, we're serious enough to have videos on our product page, but I'm not convinced that they have moved the needle in terms of conversion. How about for inspiration? So whether it's cart abandonment or uh, product abandonment, if you're looking for inspiration for, right, everyone has to come up with the content for the message the first time before it starts sending. So was there someplace specific you turn to look for inspiration for what to put in the messages? Or is it just you and your team working together? Like, hey, what would actually work here? Can you provide a little context into that? So thankfully, we live in the age of the Google search. And there is a lot of fantastic reference material online. You can obviously find blogs that are going to recommend, you know, what's the best subject line for 2021? How do I increase open rates? What should the messaging be? You can look on Pinterest for examples. And I think all of that is fantastic. Ultimately, though, not every idea is going to work for every brand. So something that works for Moose Jaw, which is like 
much more outspoken and fast and loose than our brand, it's not necessarily going to work for us. So I can see and find a lot of cool ideas, but I have to make sure that if I'm going to take a a nugget of a concept that is actually going to work for my brand and I want it to speak to my customers and I want it to be my brand's look and feel and my imagery. So I think it's great to get out there and see what's out there, to get ideas, to get inspired. But ultimately, you do need to come back to your team and to your brand and make sure that it works for you. Very good. I I would agree. Pinterest is a a great resource. Definitely agree with you there. Sarah, to those who might be listening, and one of the common challenges and one of the reasons I asked you how many people are in your team is that a lot of people are either one-person shows or maybe it's just one person helping them and they're having multiple things to do, right? Social media and all those things. So time often becomes an issue. You mentioned the simplicity of setting up workflows within Omnisend, which I appreciate the plug uh, and I would agree with you. But for those who are maybe recognize that, yeah, this is something I want to get into, but they really feel they, they don't have a time or they don't know where to start. What advice would you offer to those people to get them going? So I would say I have absolutely been there. I know I'm lucky enough to say now that I have two people helping me design creative on our promo campaigns, but it's still a small team to only have three And we're not just email, like (laughs) the three of us are also designing catalogs and we're designing for social and we're in charge of all the photography and the photo editing. So I would still consider this a pretty small team compared to other teams that I've, I've worked on that, you know, might have 15 or 20 people involved in email. So number one, I totally get it. And I'm actually still kind of there. (laughs) So my advice is start simple, start with one email. And if you're saying to yourself, well, I need to get out tomorrow's campaign, I don't have time to set up an automated email, I totally get that because I am there too. I'm I'm literally going to schedule tomorrow's campaign after this podcast. You're doing it right now, aren't you? <laughs> so You're like, um, oh, I'm in there. <laughs> <laughs> um, start simple. Start with one email. Abandoned cart's a good one. Or if you don't have a a welcome email, that's another one that's easy to get on point for your brand. They can be simple. They don't have to be over the top in terms of design, an image, and some text. And I would say the two hours that you spend setting up an automated email today is going to pay so many dividends in the future as compared to a campaign. It's not to say that campaigns can't be successful, but just the upfront work that you you put in is just going to pay off so much more in the long run. So start with one, make it simple, just get it set up and get it going. I think there can be daunting if you look and go, oh, I need to have this message and this message and this one could be a series. And what about this? And should I do SMS? You can do all that stuff later. Just get one abandoned cart email or one welcome email set up and firing. You can do that in less than a day. You could do that in less than an hour, depending how simple it is, um, and then build on that. A lot of our campaigns were built that way. I started with just an abandoned cart email. Three months later, I said, let's try the SMS. Two months after that, I said, let's try adding a follow-up abandoned cart 24 hours later. So this program didn't all launch at once. It started in pieces as I could manage them. Very good. I would add to that, but I've got nothing to add to it. <laughs> Agree with you 100%, Sarah. You nailed that on the head. How about anything I might have neglected to ask you today that you feel is important for the listeners to know? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> and I trust I asked you everything, but just in case something jumps off, like, how? why did you not ask me that, Greg? As far as anything about cart abandon and product abandon, I think we really did cover it all. I can't emphasize enough how I think it's important to be selective about how often you're hitting customers. If you're thinking about adding these cart abandoned and product abandons because the revenue is so tempting, just make sure that you understand how many messages a customer could be seeing in their life cycle as you start adding them. You know, if they're on your list and they're getting campaigns once or twice or three times a week and they're also seeing a welcome email and their transactional emails and Once you start building out that full program, make sure that you're taking a complete look at how often the customer is seeing emails and does it always look and feel like your brand? And are you establishing a positive relationship with them that they want to keep going? Are you just annoying them and they want to not hear from you again? (laughs) (laughs) 
Wonderful. Sarah, if anyone wants to reach out to you, the brand, uh, anything like that, what's the best way for them to do so? People can feel free to email me questions anytime. My email address is sarahf at carrots.com and that's spelled K-E-R-R-I-T-S dot com. Also be happy to have you test out our abandoned card emails and see what you think of the creative, <laughs> see what you think of the timing. Let us know how we're doing. <laughs> Very good. Well, obviously have the contact information, uh, Carrot's website listed in the show notes as well. So feel free to navigate down there in case you missed it. Sarah, any questions for me today? I don't have any questions, Craig. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I hope that everyone has as great of success with their card abandon and product abandon programs as we have. Because like I said, just set it up and the money just comes in like magic. That is perfect. All right, Sarah Florin, everyone, Senior Director of Branding and Marketing at Keras. Sarah, thanks so much for your time today, for your insights, for everything you shared. I hope someone does reach out to you with a question so you can hopefully encourage them. But I think the advice you gave was 100% spot on. So thank you for taking the time to join us today. Now it's time for the workflow. For our final segment today, I'd like to bring in Sadie Arnold, Customer Success Manager here at OmniSend. Sadie works with a variety of e-commerce clients, including Carrots, and advises them on how to improve their email marketing programs and, more importantly, get things implemented. Sadie, welcome to the show. Thanks for making the time to be here. Yeah, thanks, Greg. Super excited to be here. Awesome. We're excited to have you. So first, let's just do some level setting. Why don't you just briefly introduce yourself, you know, tell the audience where you're based, explain how you work with and interact with clients on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, sure. So name's Sadie. I currently live in Charleston, South Carolina. And as far as my day-to-day, some of my days I spend on calls with my current clients on email strategy. Some days it is just answering emails in my inbox. and But most days are a little bit of a combination of both. Very good. So when you're talking to clients, answering emails, I'm going to kind of guide you through a couple questions today about what you're actually talking to them about. Let's start with shopping cart here if we can. When it comes to kind of some of those biggest questions that either clients will ask you about or will ask you about after you approach them about card abandonment. What are some of those key things that most clients are concerned about? Yeah, I think, honestly, OmniSend makes it super easy to just set up a card abandonment. We already have those key points in those workflows. However, most of the questions I get asked are, how do I elevate my abandoned cart series? And Really, the answer is super simple. It is number one, identifying your customer journey and trying to identify where in that journey are they having questions, not really understanding the product itself, and why are they abandoning their cart in the first place? And so it's trying to take those questions and those issues that they're having within your journey and trying to add those value or add some value to the abandoned cart messages to try and eliminate any of those hesitations that they might have. And yeah, that's really kind of where we start first. Yeah. So Sarah gave a really good example where they have uh, a free shipping incentive on certain products that are under a free shipping threshold. And the idea there was to figure out, okay, well, is it free shipping that is causing the abandon, right? To your point, why are they leaving the cart? I think you mentioned very, in a very good way, just simplify it, boil it down to the simple construct of why are people leaving and put something in that message to overcome that thing. So I really like the advice there. I had Lucas on in the first segment of this episode. We were talking about different timing strategies and Sarah's timing strategies for her card abandonment messages are different. And this is obviously going to vary based on the products, the price point, the company, all those things here. I want to ask you from a starting perspective. So someone comes to you and says, Sadie, I, um, you know, I want to do a card abandonment. I don't really know when to start. What is kind of your baseline starting point for your messages? And then how many messages do you recommend starting with as well? Yeah. So obviously it kind of depends on the market that you're in, obviously, but. Typically, just an hour or two after they have abandoned their cart is a really great time to send that first key message. And again, you know, speaking about the customer journey, let's try and identify why they're abandoning their cart. It could be simple, as simple as the kids are running back in the 
background and I heard something bang and I need to go get this. And so they abandoned their cart there. So really just keeping it simple with that first message and then waiting typically around 12 to 24 hours to send them that second email reminder. And then again, trying to eliminate any possible hesitations that they might have whenever it comes to completing their cart. And then again, about 12 to 24 hours after sending that second message, send them that third message. And I really think the third message is where we consider strategy. Carrots mentioning the free shipping is what they do in their third messaging. And they also split by cart sum. So let's make sure that whenever we're considering an incentive, and me personally, if you don't want to include an incentive in that abandoned cart messaging, I would always suggest not including it. But obviously, that is part of the reason that a lot of customers abandon their cart. You know, maybe it's just pricing. Maybe the price is just a little bit too high and offering that incentive will help them complete their cart. So I know that she is currently splitting based on the cart sum. And if the cart sum is over a specific amount, we'll give them that incentive. That's a valuable cart. And so maybe including that incentive will help them complete their purchase. While maybe if you don't, have that certain price range in your cart, then we won't consider you for an incentive. Two things that I love what you just said there. One, Sarah touched on it with we split based on cart total, right? And that's an easy way to identify whether you are above or below that free shipping threshold. By the way, super easy to do that. Inside of OmniSign, not a plug here, but I work for the company, so let's be honest here. But it's super easy to do. And this is something I wish more e-commerce brands were, would do because it, you can literally do this in a matter of seconds. But I think splitting just based on something as simple as car total has huge runway for you. So if you're not, if you currently have a card abandoned series or not doing that, do it. I also love what you said about discount because a lot of people will say, put the discount in the third message, which is a pretty common piece of advice. Not necessarily a bad piece of advice, it's just common. I love what you said about, hey, you don't actually need the discount. And I think this is for any brands who are maybe looking at implementing a band cart message or you have one or two and you want to add a third one and you're not sure what to put in there. All right, Lucas touched on this in the first segment with sense of urgency, especially over the last year, value adds, right? Those things can drive people to purchase more so than the discounts now. So I love what you say about that. And the third thing you mentioned, maybe uh, kids in the background, you heard a thud and a loud noise. Yeah. So absolutely true. But over time, you'll start to like pause for 10 seconds. And if you don't hear crying, you just go back to what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, right? Because you know someone's not hurt. <laughs> right, right, so, yeah. That's kind of how we roll with things. So I love what you said there, Sadie, about both the splitting, right, which is a good tactic, and also the discounting. So don't feel or don't be pressured into discounting. Exactly, yeah. Shifting a little bit to browse abandonment, because this parlays well with cart, but it's obviously to people who haven't carted something yet, but they're browsing there. And there's a lot of conversation about this being too intrusive. I'm going to guess, and you can correct me if I'm wrong and put me in my place, when you are having conversations about browser product abandonment with your customers, one of the concerns you get is being too intrusive with them. What are some of those big questions or concerns you get when it comes to browser product abandonment? And then what are your answers to those? Yeah, so essentially it's usually... I don't want to send too many emails to my customers. I don't want to annoy them. I don't want them to unsubscribe completely because I'm sending them too many emails. So usually that is definitely the main concern. But I, and you'll note too, that I'm a very visual person. I kind of like to look at the browse product abandon, cart abandonment as a funnel. And so at the bottom of the funnel, obviously you have your shipping confirmation, your email confirmation emails. Right above that is your abandoned cart. So there's usually more intent to purchase. And so you're probably going to see a little bit more revenue with that abandoned cart. Right above abandoned cart is your browser product abandoned. Usually there's less intent to purchase, but they're still browsing that product. They're still browsing even the category And so understanding that, you know, they're not as far down the funnel as the abandoned cart or 
actually completing an order, but it's still relevant. They're still checking out that item. And so even adding additional information into that email, that browse abandoned email will help them understand that product more, especially if you're using what Keras is using with reviews, social proof. I, as a customer, am looking at those reviews and social proof anyway. And so adding that into the email itself kind of takes that off of my plate. And I know and understand that you're a great company. People love your product. And so it's going to help me move down the funnel further. Yeah, absolutely. And we see from the benchmark report, the 2020 benchmark report, these messages are extremely effective, right? And you hit on the point, right? They're on your website doing something. They're shopping. Something in their life has taken them to your site at that particular time to view that particular product. You just try to capitalize upon that. I'm curious about the conversation a little bit, right? So after you tell that to a customer, does their hesitation come down a level or does it still stay there and you've got to work with them to continue to work on implementing a product or browse abandonment? Yeah. So like you said, we obviously work for OmniSend. And so I usually take them step by step in the workflow itself to kind of give them more confidence in setting up a browse abandon. And usually after testing a browse abandon, I always say to test. The best way to understand um, your customer journey is to test and see how it works. And usually after a week of enabling a browse abandon or a product abandoned email, they're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm set. This is perfect. This is, I'm seeing revenue in this workflow specifically. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm hooked. The money talks, baby. You know? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, we say increasing sales, not your workload, right? That's the way to that's do it. That's exactly right. Yeah. I want to talk about the implementation, the setting it up part, because you mentioned that I'll just walk it, I'll jump in there and walk it through with them, I'll walk through it with them and you know, show them how relatively easy it is. Yeah. I'm assuming it's been common in the industry for years. People I, I've worked with, people I talk to now, people I talk to at conferences years ago, right? It's all the same email marketing. Generally, you have few resources on your internal team. It might be you, it might be you and one other person. And you're doing other things as well. And I'm sure you're dealing with this on a day-to-day basis, which uh, can be a challenge, right? So from your standpoint, your challenge with, how do I increase my client's revenue while making it attainable for them to do so and actually make progress? I want to ask you, when you're working with customers who have tight resources, how do you help them actually implement things? Like, how do you guide them down that direction to actually get stuff done? Yeah. So, I typically recommend an hour every single week of working closely with me to talk through strategy. Obviously, you could have somebody go in here and easily turn on automations, but it's going to work a whole lot better if we work together. And I mean, literally just an hour of your time every single week, even bi-weekly to talk through strategy through and talk through implementation. And honestly, there's been so many calls that we have enabled workflows together. And then sometimes I don't typically do this with my clients, but I have been on <laughs> two hour calls with clients just to talk through strategy. And we've implemented three workflows in one call. It really is very easy to set these up and turn them on. I just know that there's a lot of hesitation. You know, am I doing this correctly? Are all of my filters set in place? Are these delays okay? Does this seem like this is a good strategy? And then just setting down with your CSM, if you obviously are eligible for a CSM and talking through those different strategies with them and usually boost their confidence. And like it, like you said earlier, money talks. As soon as they get these implemented, they're excited to enable more automations. Taking what you said, like an hour a week meeting with you, right? So we can kind of apply that across the board and say, okay, if you just dedicate, if you don't have a customer success manager, maybe you're not with OmniSend. If they don't have someone to talk through strategy with, do you have any pieces of advice for someone in that boat that might be able to still get things done? Yeah, I mean, start simple, really. And there's a ton of resources out there whenever you're trying to think of content as well. I actually really love Mail Charts, and that's one of the websites that I typically suggest to my clients. And I would also tell them to 
subscribe to your competitors' emails, see yeah. exactly what they're doing. No, you don't have to copy them word for word, but you'll have a better understanding of your market and their different strategies when it comes to email marketing. And so I feel like those are really the best ways to understand different strategies. And so, yeah. Very good. And then Sadie, final question today. What is the best thing about working at Omnisend? Honestly, I've worked with for Omnisend for about a year now. And Carrots was actually my first client that I helped onboard and have been going through this whole entire process with them. And that itself is worth it. I absolutely love holding my client's hand through this whole entire process. And then again, you know, once they start enabling these automations, whenever we talk about strategy, whenever they actually enable all of these different automations and they see success in their campaigns, that's worth it all. Seeing the success and seeing their confidence in a platform like Omnisend. Sadie Arnold, everyone, customer success manager here at Omnisend. Sadie, thank you for your time. To everyone listening, thank you for yours as well. If you have any questions, comments, or want to learn more about how to use email marketing to increase your sales and not your workload, please feel free to email us at podcast at Omnisend.com or visit us at Omnisend.com. Until next time, have a great day and be kind to one another. Thank you.